0: Welcome to Next Level Christianity, a podcast designed to teach biblical truth, help Christians apply it to their daily lives, and gain true clarity of what it means to follow Jesus. Our churches and Christian communities are continuously being influenced by cultural and worldly views, and few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is John Alkire. Please join me for important conversations where biblical truth and life application collide. I hope these episodes help equip and motivate you to take your Christian faith to the next level. So grab your Bible and join me in the conversation. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm John Alcar, your host, and we are glad you're here. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, Just real quick, if you have not subscribed to the program, please do so. And also please give a rating at the bottom if you're using iTunes, which a majority of our listeners are iTunes listeners. Please go down to the bottom and rate the podcast if you want to and you feel compelled. Write a comment about the episode or about the podcast. Um, Be honest, say what you need to say. I'm all good, but would appreciate that. Lastly, share this podcast with your family, friends, or coworkers who might be interested in these topics and uh, some of these conversations. So, you know, in last episode, episode 26, uh, I forgot to mention a person. And in there I talked about the various influences in my uh, Christian journey, my growth and maturity. And I totally forgot one person that I wanted to recognize tonight. uh, And that is um, Dale Partridge. Uh, Dale and Veronica uh, live out in Oregon, and Dale is an incredible man of God, an incredible teacher, who is so grounded in Scripture and uh, has produced amazing content. And so if you don't know him and you want to follow him and Veronica's ministries, it is at relearnchurch.org, just like it sounds, relearnchurch.org. And, uh, his podcast is called real Christianity, and you can just go on any platform and find it. He's got over a hundred episodes and a lot of great content. And my wife, Carrie and I have listened to almost, if not all of them, um, agreed with some of the stuff, some of it, not depending on theology, but as far as scripture grounded. Um, so anyway, uh, Check it out check them out. Uh, and I'm sorry I left them off. been very influential, and I continue to uh, follow him and and see what he's going to do in the future. and I'm excited about him because he's had a crazy week. He produced a blog just this week of how God had opened his eyes to the sovereignty of salvation. He was a free will kind of guy, a free will believer, and um, where man chooses God. and he was changed over a service he attended. Back in I think January of this year um, and I have to say when you uh, when you really study the scriptures and you've heard me talk about them if you're following this and you've listened to me uh, and listen to the scriptures, listen to God speak you realize God is sovereign over all everything, and the beauty of salvation comes alive when you realize. That we didn't choose God we have been chosen by God and when you think about that there was nothing you could do to stop his drawing of you to the son his love and mercy despite of your unrighteousness your past your sinful wicked ways since birth since childhood and he picked you anyways it wasn't a deed it wasn't a uh thing you said, it wasn't um, how good you think you are. It He picked you anyways. And as I said before, the humility and beauty is like nothing you can experience when you see the scriptures and understand the true sovereign grace of salvation. So I'm excited for Dale. Um, he's moved to the full reform side, and I would even say he dropped some Calvinist in there which he was anti, and I think we're going to see him fully move into that uh, theology, which uh, is exciting. Todd White, uh, i got to say, uh, this week has been crazy. Uh, f- first of all, I just saw on Facebook the NFL commissioner said that he he's going to fine um, NFL players uh, who, if I can find it, um, probably can't, He's going to find NFL players who attend church. Um, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. NFL just declared war on the church, it says, and this is on a Facebook blog. Uh, players can be fined for attending church services. Um, once again, persecution of the church uh, continues. Um, and uh, we just got to stand our ground and, and voice our... Uh, voice our voices out on all platforms as believers. Uh, but anyway, crazy. That was just a sidebar. Saw that today. Todd White. Um, if you don't know who Todd White is, uh, you, you may not. Uh, he's a founder of Lifestyle Christianity, who he's been a false teacher. Still like kind of put him in that category, even though he showed some great signs. But we'll talk about that. But he's a false teacher, word of faith movement, physical healing, Uh, fake physical healing, let's say, prosperity gospel, and he's been following a false Christ, and a Christ that I would say is not of the scriptures based on his theology, bad theology. And he just put out a video on YouTube this week, so check it out. Uh, God of Humanity, I think, is the title, where he is really being changed, and he was actually... And if you if you know what I'm talking about, you know you know what I'm going to say. If you don't, you're going to have to check it out. But he was actually preaching the gospel of the scriptures. Like I would be somewhat comfortable, not totally, but I would be somewhat comfortable sharing that video with somebody to say, "Here's the gospel," and it was from Todd White, a complete false teacher, um, and has been, and has been hanging around people like uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland and Bill Johnson from Bethel Church, and and some just real what I would call wackos when it comes to theology. Uh, it, it gave me goosebumps. Uh, there's no question about it, because if you've listened to him, his horrible theology, it was just music to my ears. Uh, it was amazing, um, and uh, I'm excited. And he was talking about sins. He was talking about how we're dead in his, our transgressions. We need to repent. We need to turn to Christ. I mean, he was using all the words. And uh, he was actually, he wasn't really dropping verses. I was telling my wife, he wasn't really dropping scripture like we should and just give the content of what we're getting or how we're, what we're sharing. But he was referencing scripture. And what I mean by, I was literally going, that was Matthew 5. That was in the Sermon on the Mount. That's Galatians chapter 2. Uh, the law will not save. Um, Romans 8.1. Uh, Romans chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians two, dead in our sins and transgression. I mean, you you just you knew he was in the scriptures. I mean, he wouldn't say the verses and where he got it, but and he will if he continues down this road. But again, God is doing uh, some crazy things to people uh, in the midst of everything. So that was uh, this week here, just quick highlights, pretty cool. Um, but anyway, let's move on to why we're here. So last week uh, we went into the good and bad news of the gospel. If you joined us, if you haven't checked it out, episode twenty six. And often as Christians in, in, the, in, the, in the modern church and, and the Christian communities today, we don't hear the good news enough, right? We don't hear the good news of the gospel. But, but one thing we hardly ever hear is the bad news. The wrath of God on humanity, dead in our sins, condemnation, judgment, and how the end result for all of us who do not repent and turn to Christ is hell. Is not eternal life, it's hell. In other words, what happens if we reject God, we learned in Romans chapter 1, how God turns us over. His sovereignty turns us over to the, the sinful ways and it consumes the heart, pulling us away further and further from God. And again, the only thing, and the good news, the only thing that can reconcile us is faith in Christ. The power of the cross that saves those who are perishing And that's the good news. So tonight, uh, we are going to have an important conversation. And it's a question many new or young Christians have, I think. And you may be thinking about it or may have thought about it. And it's, can a Christian lose salvation? And before we dig into the roots of this and what Scripture says... Uh, we first need to identify what Christian, what a Christian means. And I just looked it up. I, mean, I just did a definition search, right? Like most teachers try to do and see what that says. And uh, the Merriam-Webster defines it as one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus. Now, I really don't like the definition because we can profess belief in Jesus or his teachings and not truly be saved. Let's be clear. We see this in Scripture. We're going to talk a little bit about it in Scripture, and we see it, I think, a lot around in our Christian communities today. Is a lot of people want Christ, they 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 claim Christ, uh, but they're not saved, and we know that by their their lifestyle. We know that by how they live their life, the fruits, and all the things that we know. And Matthew seven keeps coming up in all these. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. And if you've been listening to me for the last 18, 19 months, you're going to know what I'm going to say before I say it. It's the verse that says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So just because you profess Lord and you think you know him, it doesn't mean he knows you. And it does not mean that your salvation is secure. And so what I did is I, I made up a definition. I don't say made up, but I created a definition of a Christian backed by what I believe scripture teaches us through studying it. And a Christian is one who has been chosen before the foundation of the world, set apart at birth, who heard the gospel, was drawn by the Father to the Son, believing He is God who came as man and died for the sins of mankind. And after he died, he rose on the third day. He met with many disciples to prove and that to the witnesses that he had risen. There were many who saw him, many who talked with him, many who testified to seeing him. And he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father with all the power and all authority of heaven and earth. Responded through repentance of our sins and placing faith in him, which is Christ, and what he has done to receive the free gift of grace, where there's no longer condemnation, passing from death to life in a spiritual realm. The heart is regenerated and renewed. And the power of the Holy Spirit continues the work of sanctification while keeping his commands and whose lives bear fruit. That is my uh, own definition that I've created of someone who is a Christian. So hopefully you like that. Um... Now, there's many ways to say this, but this, I think, covers the process of of that. And why is this important in this segment? Because if God chooses you, sets you apart, draws you to the Son, you put your faith in Him and the Holy Spirit comes in and begins His work of sanctification, is it possible... With all of that, is it possible to lose that? Is it possible to walk away from that? How many people do you see or know who claim they are Christians, but don't read their Bible, still dwell in their habitual sin, do not go to church, do not proclaim the gospel? Nothing is changed from before other than... They just love Jesus. They just say they love Jesus and they're following Jesus. We're hearing a lot of stories of apostasy. And apostasy apostasy means when a person renounces their faith. By definition, renounces a religious or political belief or principle. Basically, I no longer am a Christian nor, nor follow Christ because I don't agree with its principles or commands. How can that be? How can that be? And the answer, folks, it's simple, is they were never saved. That is why if you belong to a church and at the end, They ask for those who want Jesus in their life to say a prayer with them and accept him. This is not salvation like we're seeing in the church. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that's the process of salvation. And again, if you listen to my episodes, we cover this in depth. And in fact, we actually, in episode 18... We did an episode called, How Do We Know We Are Saved? And we walk through the assurance given to us from the inspired word of God with many verses and many examples for that. But losing salvation is only for those who never had it, folks. So if you aren't sure, you need to read the book of 1 John carefully. There's a lot of references in Scripture, but I love the book of 1 John. It is it is really eye-opening. It's powerful on this. And if you do not align with what he describes in the book of John, you may want to get on your knees and repent and truly put your faith in Christ. So tonight, you can't lose your salvation. And here's proof and confirmation. Again, we've been in this text I'm going to go back to John 6, okay, 37 through 40, and we're just going to read it. "All that the Father gives me will come to me." This is Jesus talking. "All that the Father gives me will come to me. Father's going to give him the chosen. and the one who comes to me I will certainly what not cast out." For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What is that will? This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise him up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him, we have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Now we're going to go to John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. And we talked about this in episode 25. And we talked about who the sheep were and that relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Or maybe it was 26. I'm trying to think. 26. No, 25. Uh, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give eternal life to them and they will never perish. You got to remember the sheep in here are his chosen. And we talked about this. The sheep don't pick the shepherd. Back to free will. The sheep don't get to pick the shepherd. The shepherd picks the sheep. So again, John 10, 27, 30. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I I give them eternal life and they will never perish. There's that. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch, snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So again, 2, John 6 and John 10 from Jesus himself multiple times saying, I will not cast them out. I lose nothing. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my father's hand. Sounds pretty secure, doesn't it? Let's look at John 15 verse 16 real quick. Um, More on the unconditional, uh, unconditional grace through election. But again, it, it just for me, it proves when you are saved, there's no losing it. So this is what Jesus says, "You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would be that you would go bear fruit and your fruit would remain." That's John 15:16. "You did not choose me." Now we know this now we know we don't choose God because when we went into Romans three last a week, and you look at Romans chapter three. Paul makes it very clear that we do not seek. We do not understand. Our love for sin keeps us bound from him. We rebel. So we're not choosing Christ in our wicked, rebellious state. He chooses us. And again, this is the beauty of God's sovereign power of grace. And that is throughout the Gospels. And in scripture, last verse we can use as proof is, uh, like I said, book of first John is a great book for you, but, uh, uh, first John chapter two, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out. So it would be shown that they all are not of us. He later then says, but you know, have an anointing from the Holy One. This is verse 20. He says, but you know, having an anointing from the Holy One and you all know, like basically you're anointed from the Holy One and you know the truth, you know him. And again, true Christians have the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. That's what Jesus said, that the, 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 um, the great counselor, the counselor, which is the Holy Spirit who's going to leave behind, is going to teach us and remind us of everything he taught. That's what it's going to do. And so there'll be no deception. There'll be no falsehoods or lies. And, and it'll, it allows us to per, pers- uh, preserve in truth and in, 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 in the Bible, I don't know exactly where it is off the top of my head right now, but when Jesus said false teachers are going to come, false prophets are going to come, and they're even going to try to deceive even the elect if they, if they try, if they can. He says that even the elect, even the chosen, the sheep that we're talking about, the chosen people from the foundation of the world who are going to be given from the Father to the Son, as we talked about in John, there's going to be people who are going to try to deceive them, even the elect, if they can, if they try. Or I forget how it was worded, but it's basically Jesus saying, "Ain't going to happen." And why? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, the saved people of Christ. God's people have the Holy Spirit within them, working, keeping the radar up of all falsehoods, and and that's how we learn those things. And those who leave the faith do not live like we are called. They don't live the way we're called. They, they remain in heresy. And they prove over and over again they were never born again, like we learn from Jesus in John chapter 3, being born again. So those are the verses that I like to go to. So if you're, you know, you're sitting there saying, can a, can a Christian... A defined Christian like we did in the beginning. Let's define it because there's not, that matters. Who's a Christian based on scriptures? What does that look like? And then the salvation process, which we went through here shortly, just a little bit. uh, How the process is, you know, what's, there's no way that God's going to give up his people. And so you might sit there and say, wait a minute, hold on, time out. There's Hebrews 6. And uh, I've even had that misinterpreted myself. And you might be sitting there going, I don't even know what part of Hebrews 6. It's Hebrews 6, 9, I believe. And we're going to get into this um, right now. Uh, If you have not read it or heard the argument, let's look at it. And uh, it may come up from somebody who will say, wait a minute, you say you can't lose your salvation. How do you explain it? Hebrews 6. It says, For in the case of those who have once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then f- have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them to repentance, since they again crucify themselves, the Son of God, and put him to open shame. Now, uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, uh, because we really can, and for time's sake, I'm trying not to. This text is addressing the sin of apostasy. We talked about apostasy earlier. These are people who are denouncing Jesus, is what they're referring to who he is and what he's accomplished, they're denouncing. They could be people who were baptized. You know, look, we remember in John 6, he had what was called by John disciples following Jesus. After the, the he fed the 5,000, they went across the lake. They found him. They're like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, like, here we are. And he's like, you're not here for me. You're not here for the spiritual nourishment that I'm offering. You're here for food. You're here for free food. Um, and he goes into all that, right? And then he starts going into the real hard teaching, the the real. Uh, let's let's bear down. And what does it mean to be a true follower of Christ? What am I here for? What does faith really look like? What does being a believer look like? And what happens? They bail, and they were called disciples. You would think that they were like full blown converted. But obviously they weren't because after he explained the process of salvation that I just explained, that the Father enables, no one can come to the Son unless the Father enables. Unless the Father draws him to the Son. He does all those teachings. And they're just like, what is he talking about? He's talking about the flesh and the blood, right? His flesh, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're just like, ugh. What do they do? They leave. So in this, in Hebrews, these are people that could have been baptized. They've suffered for the name of Jesus. There could be evangelists at some point, partakers in in the communion, leaders. But just because of those things and those attributes that we may see in what's called what we think is a Christian, these are not the signs of conversion. Conversion is and is saving faith, right? It is saving faith, which is endurance. No matter what comes, they are faithful. They are committed. They're committed to the commands. They're committed to the words and the scriptures and what we were, we were called to do how we were called to live. And no matter what pressures of the world, no matter what comes our way, we will not be shaken. We're like Paul and Shane saying, be joyful. I say again, be joyful or rejoice. Sorry, rejoice. Um, in the midst of our worst life, Potentially. We're to endure because of our faith. Think about the Jews, okay? So the context of Hebrews 6 is you've got the Jews, and, and a lot of times that's, that's, the, that's the people that we're talking to in this and preaching to. But you've got the Jews in the context who didn't believe in Christ as the Messiah. Most don't today. But say one does, say, say one says, I believe in Christ. Let's just use an example, kind of give Hebrews 6 a little context. I believe in Christ. I believe he died and atoned for my sins and announces his faith openly uh, to others. But the pressures of family and peers around him become so great that one day he comes to that temple and he lays down his sacrifices on the altar. What has he just done there? He has now joined the ones who rejected and killed Jesus. As it says, put him to open shame. They have now joined the ones who are willing to take on the blood of Christ upon themselves and their children as they shouted to Pilate, who didn't want to put him to death, but they did. They wanted his blood. That is a a reference that is in context. It's like somebody claiming this, believing this, hearing this, but then eh, the pressures just break down and they don't stick with it. And in Hebrews 6, if you move on, it finishes uh, uh, that portion of, of Hebrews 6 using part of the parable of Jesus and the four soils. Clearly, the soil that brings good growth of vegetation, as it says. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. And then if you look in verse 9 of Hebrews 4, I mean, Hebrews 6, uh, 9, things that accompany salvation, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saint. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith, critical part of this verse, not by works, not by own merits, not by status, not by traditions, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Or, I'm sorry, the promises. Every single day, the pressures are placed upon us to, com- uh, to compromise, to compromise and think like the world, to act like the world and speak like the world. The world is loud right now. I mean, it's loud. And as Christians through COVID, through uh, Black Lives Matter, race, divide, um, financial struggles, cultural struggles, Churches being persecuted by the state. The world is loud. And the mark of those, and again, this is critical in this. The mark of those who are saved and secured are full assurance, hope to the end, faith, patience. And these are all the works of the Spirit of God within a person's heart. A changed heart. A regenerated heart heart. And those who exercise these things will inherit the promises. Folks, at the end of the day, God's work of salvation is of his will. It's for his glory. It's for his chosen people. And I want to be clear here. It does not and will not fail. It will not fail. Therefore, a true Christian, a true Christian cannot lose salvation. Well, that's it for tonight. I hope this helps and it gives you an amazing encouragement uh, as well as humility. And as you continue to feel the importance of salvation and the process and how undeserving it is, massive amounts of gratitude. So, if you think someone needs to hear this, please share it. And uh, this is going to conclude episode 27. And hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for joining the conversation tonight. And we'll be back next week. God bless.